Hello and welcome to the Let's Talk Azure podcast with your hosts, Sam Foote and Alan Armstrong. If you're new here, we're a pair of Azure and Office 365 focused IT security professionals. Each episode, we talk about a specific topic in the space. This week, it's episode four of season three. We're going to have a chat around privileged identity management, a service from Microsoft that helps provide just-in-time access for management roles across numerous services. Hey, Alan, uh, how are you doing this week? Hey, Sam, I'm not doing too bad. Uh, how are you doing? Yeah, well, I wouldn't be um, somebody from the UK unless I talked about the weather on this podcast. So yeah, it's been it's been very cold <laughs> uh, this week in the UK. It's actually started to feel a little bit like winter. So um, yeah, but um, just just busy. Um, this week seems to have flown by for me, to be totally honest with you. So um, so yeah, but some some good projects that we're working on at the moment and and, and moving things forward. So that's yeah, really positive. Yeah, I've been up in the in well, I say up into the office. I've been up to the 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 southern unofficial office, haven't I? Um, yes, it's been a bit cold at home in the the insulated shed that I uh, I work in. Alan, I think you're supposed to refer to your uh, shed as a garden room. It makes it sound a lot <laughs> a lot posher. Nicer. Yeah. <laughs> the, yeah, okay. the garden room. Yeah, yes. if listeners don't know, Alan has a converted. Well, it used to be a shed. I don't think you can call it a shed anymore that um, he works from. But um, yeah, heating challenges this week meant that he um, came into uh, the office that I, I work from, which is a nice toasty 20 degrees. Yeah, we got on We got on with a little bit of uh, terraform, didn't we? Well, I got yes, into exactly. Yeah, definitely a lot more. Uh, you definitely know it's, it's, it's very different working in person, uh, you know, together, right? Because we're always remote. So it's, yeah. It's, it's sometimes a bit strange to actually sit next to somebody and collaborate like the uh, good old days anyway. <laughs> so, yeah. yeah. Okay, so let's um, let's get stuck into PIM. Um, so um, Alan is going to take the role of um, uh, subject matter expert. Um, and Alan truly is the subject matter expert out of <laughs> both of us on PIM. Um, he's been involved in a lot of um, PIM configuration and and, and management for, for for a lot of customers that he's worked for. So, yeah, hopefully I can extract as much knowledge out of Alan's uh, uh, brain as I possibly can. So, um, if you're if you're ready, Alan, let's let's kick off. Yeah. Okay. I mean, you have been on the uh, some of those journeys with me. So. I know. Yeah. I know. <laughs> okay. So, Alan, uh, can you just give us a, a sort of high level overview of, of of what PIM is and what it's trying to achieve? Sure. So, privileged identity management is a tool um, within Azure AD and Azure um, for um, giving just in time access to um, privileged roles. Um, that can also be um, Privileged access groups, and I'll talk about that in just a minute. But in essence, um, a user can request access to a role, Azure, you know, Azure AD role or a role within Azure, to, um, to, to you know, to elevate to that role for for an X you know, X period of time, um, rather than it being on their account all the time. And the reason why it's good to have that just in time access is because. You don't want to, you know, if your account gets compromised, then that, you know, the the attacker or the bad actor has got those roles and are able to, you know, continue their um, attack within you know, within the organization. When you do just in time access, they have to go through a process to elevate, um, as well as if they're just doing reconnaissance, they may not realize that you do have 
you know, have the ability to elevate to a role. So it makes it a bit more difficult for them to um, do that reconnaissance um, because there's potentially um, some API queries in Azure or against um, Azure AD to see you know what roles you might have or who has what roles. So even with Reader, you can see those sort of you know, who's got what. So being able to sort of hide uh, security by obscurity a little bit, I guess, um, but as well as, um, yeah, you're not able to see them. So doing just-in-time access, um, going through potentially approval processes to make sure you are allowed to elevate, just gives that extra layer of security. It also means that you might not need to, in some scenarios, have two accounts because you can use the same account because your day-to-day role has to elevate to be able to do it. And there's some other controls being put in place, which I'll talk about later, to um, secure that account more when it's in an elevated role. But, but yeah, that's the kind of main thing. I talked. If we talk about previous access groups, this is in effect um, in public preview at the moment, but it's in public preview for like a year now. So it's it's pretty much out there. I think it's just more about the APIs to sort of automate some of it, some of the configuration. Um, but in essence, it means that you can do just-in-time access to a group so you can become a member of a group for an x period of time and uh it sounds a little bit weird why you do that but i'll talk about it later i think okay so essentially what we're saying is is that we're moving away from a um a few different models of maybe you know a permanent access to a privilege role you know um uh, traditionally you might have just had like permanent global admin like all the time um and also uh so what w- what we're doing is we're saying that somebody could say i would like to be global admin for three hours um and and as and when they require that that level of access because my assumption is is that people you know um for a lot of their day-to-day roles probably don't need that highest level of access right maybe it's you know for every day i'll just use some numbers off the top of my head example numbers but let's say for every um every day they might spend 30 minutes doing you know um work that requires global admin right so is that for those scenarios where you can effectively can effectively say okay from three till five i'm going to do some work that requires me to be global admin i'm going to pim up for you know, a couple of hours. Yeah, absolutely. And it, it also gives the ability to, um, for, for the example, that you may be a exchange admin. So getting approval to do exchange admin, your job could be annoying, could be like uh, block, you know, could block like that process. So it's not just sort of um, because of the sort of the configuration we do, which we're going to talk about in a minute, um, in effect, some you know, a, 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 and someone who does their day to day role um, in, say, like an exchange admin, can have that role elevated. They can elevate themselves, um, but it might be sometimes they need to do like a, a global change to the tenant. But yeah, you know, they want to be have the ability to do it themselves because then they're the you know the the owner of that change. But you don't want to give them global admin all the time because of the amount of you know control or, or access that has to security features and things like that um so you can make that one um like require approval process so that you know they can do their day-to-day job um with minimal friction 
you know, there's still going to be a little bit of friction because you still got to elevate. Um, you've got to change that role. Um, but generally, you know, it's it, once you start using it, it seems very seamless. I mean, we use it day in day out, don't we, Sam? And it, it doesn't really seem like a a bane of our uh, of our day, does it? Really? No. And uh, you know, for for me personally, I would just prefer, especially on the Azure side, you know, to maybe I have like permanent um, permanent role assignment of say reader, right? So that I can, you know, if I need to go and check on things, I can. I can go and do that, you know, um, you know, um, is, is a virtual machine booted, you know, uh, I might not want to have to like, uh, you know, uh, 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 PIM elevate in order to do that. Um, but then if I wanted to become the owner so that I could, um, maybe, you know, modify some, I am, you know, assignments or something like that, you know, it might be good for, you know, uh, like you say, you might not want to go to the level of having somebody else approve it. But at least an audit trail that I did that, um, and it's it's time scoped as well. So, like you say, you know the um, the 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 lateral the, the reconnaissance and lateral movement of a a bad actor that's maybe you know compromised my account is going to be a lot lower um, because, like you say, because you know um, that that PIM may be obscured somehow as well. You know. It, in, in terms of initial first sight, um, if that makes sense. Um, one question I did have for you, Alan, do you, do you think that the requirement for something like PIM has come from um, sort of the movement away from traditional IT, um, uh, well, the traditional ways of working, you know, everybody working in office, a big, you know, tower defense, if, if that makes sense, right, and perimeter defense. Now we've got uh, more in line of like zero trust architectures where like legitimately, you know, global admins could be accessing, you know, these cloud services from, you know, anywhere in the UK and or world. Um, and it, is it just a function of, of that as well? Because, you know, would you have controls traditionally to block, you know, global admins unless they were, well, I suppose you still have VPN access, right? Uh, to traditionally to, to, to be able to do those things. Would you, would you lock down global admin, in a traditional IT perspective? Um, so I think it's become more of uh, more of a, uh, not useful tool, but it's being used more partly because of that. But you, yeah, you're right. You could still lock down those accounts to only access it from certain, you know, maybe it could could be, like you said, from, from an IP address that is trusted. Um, but then you've got the problem of, insider attacks from that you know from that ip address um but you've also got compliant devices so it could still be you know a remote machine that is compliant because some of this you could sort of tie into conditional access and again we'll talk about that sort of later but i think it's a move because the attack surface is bigger in in the cloud because it can be from anywhere you yeah. you, you can't yeah you're right that when you're in your your fortress on the well used to be your fortress on in you know in the office um you didn't need it as much and there are tools for on premise um you know active directory sort of roles and and things like that doing it doing it um pim on there but the equivalent um so we'll probably talk about that briefly is that pim can't can't do as your can't do active directory roles there may be some tricks and trades you could do to get it to work that way, but uh, it's, it's definitely thinking out the box 
sort of scenarios. Yeah. I think like you said it just a bit more eloquently than I sort of described it right, is that it's 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 sort of a, a requirement that's come out of that expansion of attack surface, right? You know, mm. and um our, our remote and connected world that we now uh more live in, right? You know, so no, that's definitely um yeah, really valuable insight. Okay, so um let's 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 talk about some more specifics in terms of um and configurations how you would configure it and what are the sort of options that um that, that you've got and, and features and functionality that that ping pim brings you okay so for each role in in azure in azure ad um azure is a bit different so we'll talk about azure ad first so for each role um you're able to set a uh, the, the configuration about how you or how in effect what can someone do with their elevation so this could be so we talk about a global admin because it's always the the worst one everyone knows what a global admin is as well as well um you're able to um like i said require approval process and this could be a group of people because if you're in a business where you may need to uh maybe working out of hours or you know, you don't want to be like a single point of failure for an approval process for an emergency change or something like that, even though you probably should have um, break glass accounts in the in the system if you really need to use them. Um, so you can do approval process and they can go through an approval. So what happens with that is that, you know, the, ad, the, the person who's approving gets an email, they go into the portal, they approve it, and then within sort of five minutes, you get the access. You can limit the time. So whilst we said, you know, you've got that X amount of time, um, you can set the maximum. So maybe for a global admin, you say, actually, I you, I want you to approve every three hours because it's really, or maybe an hour. Uh, I mean, I've, I've, not, I've not seen anyone do that for an hour, but I've sort of seen maybe half a day, maybe. Um, you could do that. And maybe like with a, a the exchange admin one I was talking about, maybe that is set to eight hours, like an, you know, an eight hour day. That makes sense. So they don't have to keep you know approving. So you can you can specify the time per role. Um, for each um, one, each um, authentication or or PIM request, um, be it self approval or approval, um, the user has to give justification. So they have to put in their why. I mean, it's just a text box. You can just smash the keyboard with QWERTY or whatever you might want, um, but. That is audited. Not, not recommended best practice, by the way. No, but yeah. <laughs> no, no, absolutely not. But um, that that puts it into audit. So when that gets approved, when you when you you elevate, you know, um, notifications go out to admins, and they see why you elevated. So even in a self approval, there is sight of you, you know, elevating, as well as it going into the Azure AD audit. So if there is a problem, or you're doing something you shouldn't be doing. And you need to justify it. You know, first thing that auditors or teams are going to look at is why did you elevate? So that does need to be. It does have to be war and peace. It has to be some sort of like idea about what you're doing. Um, the other bits you can add is that you can have a ticket number. So if you've got a ticketing system and you're doing approvals, not approvals, change request. That's what I'm thinking of then you can actually put the change request number in so that it's all tracked against it. So someone could search for that change request and or they can refer back to the ticketing system of that change request or incident and see why you're elevating. So you, then you have to put less detail in the 
in the justification, I guess. Um, like I said, there are notifications and different ways of notif being notified. So one part is that if you add someone as ac an active um, role on that, you know, so an, exact, an active global admin, that means they, you know, they've got it 24 seven um, rather, rather than being eligible. If they get added without going through PIM, admins get not notifications to say that someone's been added without going through, um, without being assigned via PIM. So you can see when maybe someone's just gone in the portal and gone, yeah, I need my, I need GA or I've got GA. I'm going to give it to Sam, add them, you know, add to GA role without going through the, the, you know, the proper processes. So you can see when people are doing that. So I guess it's kind of coming across that um, permission creep a little bit. That's not authorized maybe or not done in the correct way. Um, the last part is that um, you can force an Azure MFA prompt to make sure it is them. So when I'm doing that, I don't see that as much on my machine because I've got Windows Hello, so that acts as my MFA prompt. But if I was on a, not necessarily an unmatched device or a device that didn't have um, Windows Hello set up, then I'd get prompted for MFA before I can, you know, um, elevate to that higher role so that's kind of some of the, the scenarios um, with Azure those roles each it's not based on like the owner contributor and that it's done on where you're connecting or what where that role is set so if it, it can be done by subscriptions and management groups and I think it might even be able to go down to resource groups but we'll have to double check that but in effect, you can have a role, a, a set of configurations for a subscription and owner, as well as a management group or management groups, because obviously various ones there, um, depending on your your sort of landing zone. So the Azure can get a little bit complicated. I, I say a little bit complicated, depending on how big you are, um, how much you know subscriptions, management groups, things like that you are. But uh, it, it's relative. Once it's set up, it's relatively simple to use. Yeah, it sounds like, uh, to me, it sounds like there is a lot of um, configuration that is possible there, which leads to great flexibility. That's that's kind of how yes. I sort of feel it. But obviously, with more, uh, with less, with less opinionated options, like if you have less options, sometimes that, like, it, you know, inherently has some level of opinion, you know, uh, on, on the side of it. So I suppose, uh, do you, well, I suppose the first question I've got is, is have you seen, um, customers that PIM isn't flexible enough for, or how is, is every single, you know, requirement, um, that you've had or, uh, use case been met by the configuration options of PIM? Do you, do you think there's anywhere that it, it falls short in terms of its configuration? I don't think I've come across it. I think before privilege access groups came in, um, which we haven't really talked about in that configuration. I'll, I'll quickly talk about it in a minute. Um, but probably the only restriction was that you can only have one set of configurations per role, which meant that if like global admins, like I said, you want to have a different configuration for different teams, maybe, because maybe you've got like access, like if you've got an internal SOC, um, maybe they want to be able to just self-elevate in there because they've got the green light or the approver is the SOC manager or the, the team leads in there, the level fours. 
and maybe your internal IT have a different like subset of people. And you don't want to kind of cross those two. Maybe you may, you maybe you've got different like um, time, how much time they've got to have per per role as well between different teams. Um, so that, that that sort of like flexibility there about can different teams have different settings, and that's kind of where the privileged access groups come in because um, these these groups are ones that can be assigned a role. So this means that you can um, like assign the Azure AD role to that group and then any member of that will then get that role. So when you integrate it into um, previous identity management, it means you can set those settings for that group, which then means you could have like two or three groups for the same role and now have different configurations. So it makes it more flexible and then transitions to other things later which we'll talk about about how then you can use groups to do pim for other things okay oh yeah that sounds yeah it's, it it does sound uh, and i i've never i've never really seen the limits of you know any what i would call sort of you know normal usage of you know um you know um sort of session based elevation right you know um every single use case I've ever been able to think of is, has been covered. That's why I think it's it's weird. I never really have like, you know, some some products have like known limitations and quirks and, you know, we sometimes get, hear the same feedback for them over and over again. And then over time they get improved, right? To, you know, I just haven't had that conversation um, with, with anybody to be totally honest with you. So um, no, it's, it's a really powerful um, uh, product, I, I think. Yeah, I think I think in its infancy, when it first came out, it was really good, but it was really hard to the the role being elevated took some time, and it was a bit unsure about how long it took and things like that. So it was very difficult to kind of not justify, but it became a bit more like, oh well, I need to do something in some you know in I need this role now within sort of the next five ten minutes, maybe it's like fifteen twenty twenty five minutes. You didn't know if you had it yet. But that sort of experience has been streamlined as it's you know, as it's evolved. Yeah, no, that's great. Well, that I think that leads quite nicely onto my next question, really, and that's around um, end user experience because you know, as 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 techies, we love to put technology in place to uh, reduce attack surface um, and improve you know a customer's overall security posture. Um, but but sometimes that can lead to um, users not having the best experience and and that is maybe the arts versus the science of you know especially cloud security or any type of you know um it related to security i suppose so um can you just talk to us a bit about the end user experience and you know do, do you have to be a um sort of a, a technical stakeholder in order uh, for it to work for you nope absolutely not so i think when it first came out i think this was the the bugbear, which is what I kind of said that, you know, it was a little bit clunky. It was, you've seen the value in it, but it was quite sort of difficult to kind of understand why, you know, you kind of felt like, well, why, why bother? Why do I need to pay for this? So, yeah, it's causing more hassle than it's worth. Um, but I don't think that now, just, just to make that clear. <laughs> um, so to, to, to do that elevation, you, all you all you in effect have to do is go to a um, a blade in the Azure portal. It's called a request privileged access or privileged access. You can go in there 
And then in that blade, you can go to um, my roles and it will tell you, you know, it will split it by Azure, Azure AD and the previous access groups. You go in there and it will list you what, what roles you're able to elevate with. Um, you click on one of those roles, click activate. Um, and then you get this little box, you get the little blade come up on the right hand side. Um, and then you you fill out that information. How long do I want it for? I have to do an MFA prompt. Justification, um, ticket, um, it needs to go for, you know, it's going to need to go for approval. Um, you fill that information in. One part in, in there is that I kind of said about out of hours. Say you are doing a change at 12 o'clock at night and the approver is going to be asleep or you know, you're forcing them to stay up so they can do that approval. You can set these um, chain, these these windows of this privilege to whatever time you want. You can either activate it right now, or you can say, actually, I want to activate it, you know, 10 minutes before my change. So 10 to 12, I want it, and I want it for two hours. Submit it. It then goes through. If you've got self-approval, it will just go, thank you, I'm going to go and do that. If you've got it set to the, the custom time, it will go right that up. We'll activate that at that point. Um, if it's custom and it needs approval, it will go to the person for approval because it will specify the time and things like that. They approve it. And then at that time, you'll get an email to say that your role has been activated. Give it a couple of minutes and you have it. And from my experience, I say recently in the last year or so is that it's been within three or four minutes. It does depend sometimes on the service. So exchange can be a little bit slower because of the way that it synchronizes its roles and things like that. And if you work, if you work with exchange, then you, you should, hopefully you kind of know that sort of that synchronization delay kind of thing. So you, you expect it, but generally within Azure, you know, it's almost like a refresh page and maybe, sign out, sign back in sometimes because um, you've had that sign out you a couple of times where you've needed to uh, close the browser and reopen it when we've been working with other customers and stuff. Yeah, um, I, I, I don't feel like that sometimes is really PIM, so to speak. I think it's more like, um, session like browser, stuff, yeah. session, front-end yeah. cache-like because, like you say, you, you hit a command like you will with the Azure portal all the time, really. You know, <laughs> if you can't see stuff... Uh, just keep refreshing until you hit a server that's actually got the consistency <laughs> that you'd like, and you, you usually see your resources pretty quick. So, um, but yeah, yeah. But but what Microsoft have done in the recent ones is, if you're doing approval there and then it's being self-approved, then it will um, do a check to see that you've got the role, um, assign you it, check that you've actually got it, and then it will actually reset your session so you'll refresh the page anyway. With it, it'll get, like do a countdown for five seconds and then refresh it to try and improve that experience. So they've they've definitely thought about it. Um, so yeah, and thinking about like you've got um, third parties like you know like the company we work for, you know, and we go to other customers, and we need you know we need Azure roles, we may need you know Azure AD roles. We we tend to use when they have the licensing to use PIM for our role so they can approve us coming in. So that's another thing to think about is it's not just about internal users. It's about your third parties that need access to, you know, management access, at least to your, to your Azure environment or to Azure. Um, Cause they can elevate um, 
to those roles. They can be in a group that means that they have to be approved by certain, you know, their managers and things like that, maybe. Um, so, yeah, I think that's really powerful as well. Yeah, I, 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 we've seen that, like you've just said, firsthand of us being, you know, especially when we are working with, um, let's say, a customer and, you know, some some customers are willing to just give you give you access you know um and 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 from a from our perspective you know um you know even if we don't have reader you know into a customer environment because you know if reader is self-approval so they get the audit logs then it doesn't really slow us down at all because you can you know have a pim session that's relatively large you know if you want to do say you know a day's worth of work um, but then, like you say, you know, if we're we're a third party uh, working on somebody else's systems, it's probably a good idea if we say want owner into some, you know, um, subscri- like, let's say a subscription or a resource group, you know, in in Azure, um, it, it can be incredibly powerful. I mean, it can become noisy, I suppose. There's a balance there between, you know, approval spam and and those things, which can be tuned, obviously. Um, but yeah, it is. It's an incredibly, incredibly powerful um, system. Well, I think we've got to kind of think about the world that we're in at the moment, with a lot of the attack chain and third parties being compromised, and then gaining access to other to the you know, to to your systems. Um, we've seen yeah. that with a couple of recent um, uh, companies, haven't we? So yeah. not not well, we, customers we, we yeah. work with, but you know, we've heard the news and stuff. Yeah, there's there's real world examples of. It's not necessarily like the inner um, circle of a, a company that's been compromised, but they may look to sort of um, contractors, outsourced um, uh, teams, and 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 try to, you know, if you've got a very mature organization that allows access to, let's say, less mature smaller organizations. I'm not saying that smaller organizations are inherently, you know, you know, uh, more insecure. Um, but because your attack surface has has been increased there, um, it, it is it is right I think to put some level of control in place. And we have there are you know uh, pub public um, examples of of that happening. Um, so again, we we don't really like to talk about security from a fear perspective. You know, we like to always base our uh, decisions on risk. Um, and and that, that there is a credible risk there, I think. And um, yeah. if especially if you're uh, especially licensed for it, it's it's kind of a no brainer as well, right? So yeah, absolutely. Okay, so we've talked a lot about. Well, this is a I suppose this is a podcast <laughs> about uh, Azure. So we have talked a lot a lot about um, Azure AD and um, Azure um, in this conversation so, so far. But what if I'm a, a multi cloud? Um, uh, a customer um what what can we do there so before previous access groups pags were available it was just microsoft cloud and i think that's i think that was okay to be fair because there's still a lot there to manage um but with privileged access groups because they are in effect just security groups with a role they don't necessarily have to have an azure ad role but they're that type of group um you can use that to synchronize with AWS and potentially G- well, AWS and GCP. So with 
um, when you've got um, single sign-on set up for um, AWS, it is it that when you have that set up um, in in one configuration, you can um, in effect do just in in fact in uh, in effect uh, provisions the user at the time of access. So there's not a, a user on the other side. It's only when they sort of you know they click on the the SAML link or the app the linking my apps um, to go to AWS. They you know they get created there and then and then they can do you know whatever role they have. And you could specify in that scenario with within the AWS side you can set you can create roles which are assigned to the the identity provider, and then they're synchronized back to Azure AD, which means that then you're able to um, choose, give users roles based on groups, which is quite good because then you can say, well, these you know, everyone gets reader and then these people have, uh, you know, an IAM role or, you know, equivalent to a global admin um, on the other side. But that means they get it all the time. But with previous access groups, you can say you can PIM into that group, which then gives you that role. And all you have to do is once you've elevated in, you know, pimmed into the um, the elevated role for AWS so that it puts you into that group. You then just click on the, within a sort of a couple of minutes again, again um, click on the link to the AWS account you're going to. And it will say, do you want the, the reader role you have or do you want to go up to that next role? You select the role and then you've got it. And again, you get for that period of time. So that's really good because then you can almost you can extend PIM into AWS. GCP is slightly different because it's it's a synchronization. Again, they can um, sync. Yeah, they can be put into a group, but you've got to wait for that synchronization between eight, eight, uh, GCP and Azure AD for that user to go into a group, which then is synchronized on the other side, and then they get that role. So there's a little bit of a delay there. Potentially, we, you could fix that in other ways um, outside of him itself or the the synchronization between aws and gcp and no aws and gcp azure ad and gcp um but yeah that's how you can kind of push that out to the other the other or the two clouds that we that we work with um but then you can in effect do that to any saml integrated app at that point because it might just be a synchronization between the app and and Azure AD with groups, and you just add people. So if you don't need admin to ServiceNow, for example, and it's just synchronization of a group, or it's just in time um, roles. You know, same thing as AWS, where it's, it's provisioned on demand. Um, you can just elevate into that role and then go and do your admin process. So it can elevate out into those other SaaS applications, but also. Whilst it's whilst it doesn't work on premise, you know, on applications on prem in you know data centers things like that, if they are SAML integrated or their authentication is Azure AD, then and they're you know there's group synchronization or something in there, then technically you could. Yeah, yeah, exactly, yeah, and that's uh, I suppose that's that's Microsoft you know, being Microsoft in 2023 and really starting to expand out to and really um, make front and center, you know, multi-cloud as a big priority for them, right? You know, and and 
we are seeing that with a <laughs> across um, the Microsoft landscape, right? We're seeing these uh, this instead of attempting to ignore these other providers, they're embracing them, right? You know, to 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 bring that identity plane, um, hopefully into Azure AD ultimately, right? As the the controlling um, the, the controlling uh, space for that. Okay, um, and I suppose um, we, we I've got a quick question on conditional access. How does that sort of uh, sit into the mix with PIM? Uh, do, do they work together? Um, is is there is there a benefit of having uh, both work alongside each other? Yeah, absolutely. So um, some of the conditional access rules that you can have um, can be based on the Azure AD roles. So that could be that. If you're a global admin, then you can only access it from a managed device and it has to be within the UK and it has to be, um, you know, the device has to be compliant and things like that. Um, that's based on that role. So when you get elevated, then you'll be re in effect, when you try and access services, you'll be reevaluated, you know, your session will be reevaluated. Um, and then you have to go through those extra checks to gain access to things. So that's a really easy one for Azure AD. Um, for the other ones, um, if you're using previous access groups, then that group could be assigned to a different policy. So maybe within uh, the AWS app, um, you are a reader. So it, you just do the normal checks, like you know, you've got a compliant device, but you don't have to do MFA um, to access it. But as soon as you go up to the next group, it might say, right, you need to do MFA all the time, every session, and you have to be on a managed device and be in the office or on the VPN maybe um, for the highest role. So yes, you can then restrict your access where you can access that role so that you don't have that. So if you have got someone that has been um, compromised and their account is being used somewhere else, you're then restricting that role as well, even if they do elevate. So it is really powerful together. Yeah, no, that seems that seems like a great uh, combination and pairing um, that can uh, can really work well together. Um, and I suppose the last question for me: um, How much does it cost, and how much it, you know how how's it licensed? So I don't have the cost, um, but it's I think it's it's under ten pounds for the Azure Premium P two. I think it's more like six five pounds or six pounds. I think it is per user per month. Um, having that gives you the, the PIM role. It also gives you the um, and, you know, the um, management lifecycle, the you know the access reviews and things like that as well, as well entitlement as... Entitlement management, is that? That's the is one, yes. Yeah. Yes, you're absolutely right. Entitlement management. Um, and also gives you the identity protection piece and a few other bits within Azure AD. So there's, there's more to the suite than just PIM. Um, so it's definitely worth getting, but it's one of those things of it, you know, there's benefit of getting it across the whole organization, but maybe you're not ready for it yet. So it doesn't mean that you couldn't, you know, do a subset of users that are using PIM to do that, those admin roles. I think that is better to do that and to adopt it in that piecemeal way, um, so that you don't, you know, you're not. Um, you don't have to, you know, if you're a larger organization, a three or four pound a month um, cost can be 
quite a lot to you know quite be a, you know a capital cost or so you know the subscription's going to be quite a lot for the year etc so if you've only got 20 or 30 admins then that's quite a small cost to to see massive benefit it also gives you that that capability of also looking at the other products for those users um and then working it on from there guest users are covered by the um what used to be the one to one time uh, four times i think every for every license you had in the elevated roles but i think there's a new way there's, there's a new bit where you attach to, to a subscription i think it's the first uh, I, I don't know what the number is I'm going to say 10 first 10,000 guest users um are in, are covered by you know as part of your licensing i think it's something like that it might be a smaller number i think it is quite high though so guest users are kind of included i think in your current licensing so you have to worry about them providing they are b2b if they are a local account that you're giving them then they have to be licensed okay great yeah so we're 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 seeing this maybe not as a complete standalone skew uh for for pim it is bundled into aadp2 but obviously um you're, you're also you're, you're potentially getting more value there because there's other really good tooling uh, alongside PIM that you're going to get with P2. And then what do, do you know what big SKUs P2 is included in? It- so it's in the Enterprise Mobility and Security EMS E5. Um, and then it's the Microsoft 365 E5 security add on. And then you've got the Microsoft 365 E5 full, full beans yeah. one. Okay. So. So it's E5 level or it's um, P2 uh, licensed separately, if that makes sense. Yeah. Can you do P2 just completely on its own? Yeah, you can do no. P. I think you've got to have the P1 because I think it's a step up as you're in P1 as well as P2. Got it. Um, okay. But most, yeah. I think um, most organizations now are kind of that that like E3 level we're seeing now. Everyone's sort of settling at that level now with the Azure D Premium P1 because of all the conditional access. And everything that is really valuable at that at that level so yeah okay so you can uplift from p1 should you wish um or it's say it's it's you know e5 um sort of level if you want to take that sort of you know um holistic package yep okay um and and that's it for me anything else that you want to add alan anything that you've thought of uh, along the way um but no i don't think i have um there's there's probably a few things I've missed, um, but yeah, there's it's it's relatively simple to talk about, and you can see the the value in it. So it's not too crazy like some other other ones where there's like we talk about something for ten minutes, and there's like you could talk for it for an hour sort of thing. I think yeah, this exactly. Is the, yeah. Well, when we've talked about Azure AD, this is one of those little subsections, isn't it? So exactly, yeah. And it's nice when we've got such a. Um... And I'm not saying that, you know, uh, PIM doesn't have a lot of good features and, you know, good <laughs> coverage of, you know, um, the, the problems that you're trying to solve. But it's quite nice to have like such a narrow product, which just effectively does one thing. You know, we're not talking like, like you say, like a group of, you know, uh, you know a collection of um, uh, closely related technologies where we have to like fire through it just as like <laughs> as quickly as possible. So it is good because I feel like when we talk about these narrower scoped products, we get more of your um sort of 
uh, deeper technical insights, if if that makes sense. And we, we can talk about, you know, what we've seen in the real world and things like that. So yeah, no, it was great. Thank you very much for, um, uh, for taking us through that, Alan. Um, the next... Sure. Next episode, um, I'm going to be covering uh, confidential computing in Azure. Um, so if you like your computing confidential, then uh, make sure you <laughs> uh, you listen to uh, tune into the next uh, episode. Um, so if you've enjoyed this episode, um, please do consider subscribing if you'd like to listen to more of this sort of content in the future. Um, we have many more topics that we'd like to cover, and your listens and support is what will continue to fuel the podcast going forward. We also have the ability for you to give us some feedback. Did you enjoy this episode? Disagree with our thoughts? Or is there something that I missed? I'm sure there is. Um, please please use the form that's in the, uh, the, the show notes uh, and, let us, and leave us a message. We'd love to hear from you. Perfect. Thanks, Alan. And we'll catch you all uh, next week. Cheers. Yep. Speak to you soon. Bye.